You're listening to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention podcast. I'm Tom Hammond, your host, uh, co-founder and CEO of UserWise. Um, today, uh, we've got a really special guest. We've got Hadrian Carpentier from uh, OBB, uh, which uh, makes a game, uh, Frag Pro Shooter, which if you haven't played it, you should check it out. It's like one of the only shooters where I can actually like kill some people. So if you really suck at FPSs, you know, it's a good way. I'm not actually sure that I'm not facing bots. So, you know, who knows, but if they are, they've done a really good job of fooling me. Uh, so it's uh, a really fun game, a super interesting take on, on FPS. And um, I'm just really delighted to be able to talk with Hadrian about all things, uh, you know, mobile shooters and things, you know, we've been seeing more and more of these games pop up and continue to grow. So, I think it's something that's on a lot of people's minds and uh, digging in will be super fun and, and learning, you know, what are some things we could take away from those into other genres uh, will be very fun to do today, too. So uh, before we dive into that, though, uh, Adrian, I'd love to just uh, have you just give a little bit of your background. You know, how did you get to where you are today? How did you get into gaming? You know, what, what's your story? Well, uh, nice to meet you, Tom. Thanks a lot for, for having me uh, on the podcast. I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to participate to, to my first podcast uh, ever. So <laughs> thank you very much for that. Um, so I, 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 I come from a, an artistic background uh, originally. Uh, I was, uh, I was uh, an illustrator and an animator. I, I've, I've worked uh, in Japan in my very early years uh, when I was a uh, 25, uh, 26. Uh, but that's where I learned how to work hard and play hard. Uh, it was a really great time there. Um, and then, then I've been an art director for a few years, uh, working in animation, in the advertisement, uh, etc. I learned a lot from that uh, as well. And um, I, I decided to to create uh, my first small video game studio in 2014. Uh, Although I didn't really have any experience uh, in video game uh, at the time, apart from being a, a player and, and a video game enthusiast. Um, and uh, it was a great adventure. I, I did that for, for five years with, with my uh, associate uh, and, and partner, uh, um, uh, who was a, a great developer. And after five years of ups and downs and, um, and lots of learnings, uh, I, I decided to, to, we decided to move on, both of us. Uh, uh, and um, I had the chance to, to meet uh, uh, the guys at uh, OBB uh, who offered me uh, this great opportunity to, to become a, a game lead uh, on Fright Pro Shooter, um, and, uh, which uh, I, I very uh, gladly uh, took th this chance. And, uh, and uh, it's been two years now, and uh, it's, uh, I'm having a great time there. Yeah. So before we get into OBB, um, yeah, would you say Lords EO was the most popular game, you know, with your spinbot time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The most yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Tell yeah, us yeah, about yeah. that game. You know, what was it about and, and where did that idea come from? Well, actually, I must uh, confess that the original idea of Lords EO uh, came from my girlfriend. Uh, and she's the one who actually had the this uh, this great idea, and uh, that that we expanded later on. Um, uh, 
was uh, her original idea was to she she, she was playing uh, Agar de Tayo uh, quite a lot at the time, uh, and she just pictured it like like what if Agar de Tayo was instead of being these uh, colored sides circles moving around, what if you were uh, an army of zombies, for instance, and like trying to eat each other, uh, you know, and 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 to make your zombie army grow. And we thought, okay, that, that's super fun. And uh, we, we, we followed up on that idea. And as I was a big fan of a strategy game like uh, Age of Empire, uh, uh, we thought, okay, why not take that idea and make it into like more of a medieval strategy uh, kind of game where you could have different types of soldiers, uh, you know, like infantry, archers, even dragons, etc. And we, we, we started off with that. And um, it had been like, the studio had been created maybe for three years and we were looking for new ways to, to um, I mean, to had a, a breakthrough because, uh, you know, our first games were, were, were not that successful. And, um, and, and we, we honestly, at, at the time, it was really like a, a kind of Final Fantasy situation, like, like where we had like almost zero money on our bank account. And, and we thought, okay, let's just give it one last shot. You know, like we make a prototype, we, we do it in one month. We put it on the on a website because it's an IO game. So we can go on the web. We don't even go on mobile. And we see how it goes. And if it works, let's continue. If it doesn't, you know, yeah, let's just call it the day. And and in the first months, we had like maybe 1 million users on, on, on web. with. Wow thanks to great YouTubers and influencers who, who took the game and, and made videos about it. And, uh, and, and, and then we, we continued. And in the end, after a few years, uh, maybe two, three years, we had uh, more than 10 million players uh, uh, on, on web and mobile combined. And uh, without, without having any marketing budget whatsoever, like we, we didn't spend a dime in user acquisition because we didn't have any money yeah so yeah it was it was a great adventure uh and it was great for creativity to kind of create a new gameplay like that um and we learned a lot from it i mean it was it was a success definitely uh but we also made tons of mistakes uh and we we and we learned so much from it it, it was really great yeah. So, you know, what are maybe two or three things that you learned that have been most impactful to your career in games, you know, from your experience with Lords? Um, the first thing I learned is um, how is kind of how, how to do growth hacking, basically. It's like, okay, we don't have any marketing budget. We, we, we have almost zero money in the bank. How can we get at least one million users? Uh, and we're just three guys in a garage, right? Uh, where at a time where mobile gaming was already pretty, you know, uh, uh, you know, still strong, mm. and it was the entry ticket was pretty expensive already. Um, I mean, it was 2017, 2018. Um, so I thought, okay, how can we get some visibility? That, that was my main focus. How do we get users? How a large volume of users? Um, and I thought. Okay, I, I used to be a big fan of web games at, at the time, and that, that's kind of why I, I, I thought we could make it into gaming uh, in the first place. So I thought, okay, all these companies that started off on the web, they 
all kind of moved on to mobile and now yeah. they're really big on mobile but they kind of uh, deserted the 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 web yeah. uh, thing you know it's kind of yeah. there is a space here you know and it's cheap uh, it's easy to to get there mm-hmm. so i identified um IO games were, were big on the web at first. So I thought, okay, we should go for IO games. Um, so what we what we did first is that we made an IO game called uh, squad.io, which is a 3D IO game, it's a shooter game. And we thought, okay, we're going to make an IO game, but we're going to make it better than others. We're going to make it look better with a different art style. You know, you know, the, the IO art style is kind of flat design, yeah. or, or mm-hmm. very simple. And we thought, no, we're going to make it better, you know, because we 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 know better, and um, and it didn't work. Like, like I mean, it worked. We did maybe one million player in total, but it was not really a success. And for the second one, I thought, you know, let's just be user centric in our approach. Why why does this successful game share the kind of the same artistic directions? Because people like it and people recognize themselves into that art style and, and it talks to them. So let's try that. And that's what we did with Lords.io uh, and the, the, the right art style plus a cool gameplay um, and, and it, it worked really well. So that's one of the main things I learned is how to do growth hacking, how to be user-centric before you even start your project is think about your users even you know before you start the project because if you think about your users too late. It's just going to be too late. Uh, so yeah. our motto at first uh, was, we want to do the games that we want to play. That's what we were thinking at first. But then we completely changed that. And, and we want to make the games that the players want to play. And th- that was really the key to our modest success that, that, that we had. Um, and then maybe one other big thing I learned was about gameplay uh, is that when you make a gameplay, it sh- especially in that genre of IO, it should be YouTubeable. Because if you want influencers to pick up on your game and you don't have money for user acquisition, it, it has to be fun to watch, you know, even if you're not playing. And in order to be fun to watch, your game must have a lot of twists. You know, it, <laughs> it's true also when you play a game, you like to have twists, but if yeah. you watch a game, it's even better, you know. So, and that's why Agar.io totally understood that. And, 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 and we try to understood why in Agar.io there is a lot of twists. And, and the fact that there is a twist is that if you become bigger in Agar.io, you become smaller, and uh, you, 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 sorry, you, you become uh, slower. And so you have to take a risk to keep uh, uh, imp- uh, you know, uh, progressing in the game. And yep. that was the key for us is like, when you have this huge army facing a kind of middle-sized army and suddenly he makes a mistake, he takes a risk and the other small guy like kind of uh, uh, uses this to his advantage and wins the game. And that's the best you can have. So twist is super important in the gameplay. Yeah, that's super interesting. So, you know, you, you've got this art background, which I'm extremely jealous about. I can only draw like a mangled stick figure. Um, but, you know, you, you tried to innovate on the art and it didn't work. Um, you know, is that something where, you know, like 
let's say you're tasked with making a casual match three game or a casual narrative game, you know, going away from that, are you going to be like, well, the art probably needs to be fairly similar to the other narrative or the other match three games that they're out there or like, when should you or could you get away with innovating on that art style or like what's the right way to approach that because obviously if you spend a lot of time specking out the art and it's completely wrong that's a, a huge waste of time and investment yeah yeah well i, I would say uh it's more about um, um i mean everything most of, most of the things or art or gameplay they, 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 they've been done already so it's more about uh it's, we're not going to reinvent the wheel every time we make a game you know, or, or, or we make a, some art direction for a game. Uh, so for me, I understood that later. It's like when I, was a, when I was an art director, when I was going to work for a client, the first thing I would do is try to understand the needs of my clients. And somehow it's the same thing as being user-centric. So it's not really about what art I like the most. It's about what kind of audience do I want to make a game for? Once I understood that, uh, I mean, it's my decision at first. Okay, I want to talk to these kind of people. Okay, M maybe I want to make a, a strategy, medieval strategy game, and 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 my entry point is IO game. So, what do IO players like in terms of art style? And let's respect that. You know, let's understand that art style. Why they like it? Because. First reaction, most people, when, when you, you show them how you get, oh, it's kind of ugly, you know, it's very simple. <laughs> and, but it's not that simple, actually. It's not ugly. It's, uh, it's actually very refined. And, uh, um, but, you know, for, for a guy who was working in Japanese animation before, he was, my first reaction was <laughs> like that. But then I, I, I took the second look and I tried to understand why is it not ugly? Why, why is it interesting? And once you understand those fundamentals, uh, you, you can build on that and you can iterate on that and make that style uh, improve and you can grow on that. So, uh, and somehow it's a, it's a collaborative process amongst all the creators uh, of IO games. You know, we mm. inspire each other and we, we share things, we steal things sometimes and, and <laughs> you know, and uh, that, that's, uh, what you know, I'm going to show off a little bit but with a, a citation uh, like, like from Picasso. He says, uh, you know, good artists they they um, they 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 steal, but great artists they they pillage. You know, like they they really take all the ideas from their all the, from their peers and they make it better. But they are not ashamed of uh, really getting inspired from from others. That's fantastic. Cool. Well, you know, let's switch gears a little bit and and talk about Obibi and and Frag Pro Shooter. So, um, you came in as you know game lead and stuff. Like, uh, you know, yeah. what is Frag Pro Shooter about? Um, how did they take this audience first approach to you know? really understand i mean like launching a game in 2019 for a fps there was already a number of other ones on the market and stuff so you know how have you guys been able to find success and, and navigate that into you know a pretty successful game yeah um well first i i should say that i was not here when they launched the game at first so so 
although now I, I can say Frag is, is like my baby and I, I put so much of, of energy into it. And But I was not there when they had the first ID. Uh, they explained it to me. So from what I understand is at the time when, when they first thought about it, it was in 2017, early 2017, there was not so many cool shooter games, especially first person or self person shooter shooting games uh, on, on mobile at the time. Uh, there were some projects we, we, we could imagine that there was a trend, it, it was going to arrive. Um, but, but, and in the same time, they observed that there were a lot of really great shooting games on PC and console, and there was a huge community for that. But they but we were thinking, okay, these kind of players, they're more like, you know, mouse and keyboard, and they're not going to move towards the mobile devices. But we were also seeing mobile devices performances getting better and better and better. So we thought, these audiences might move to, to, to the mobile device in, in the future pretty quickly. So the OBB founders thought, okay, there is an opportunity there to, to, to be early on, on this kind of uh, uh, genre on, uh, on mobile, um, and also to have a lot of fun uh, developing a game like that on mobile. It's, it's super fun um, to create this kind of gameplay. And so they, they tried to adapt uh, the, the genre of shooting to the mobile devices in terms of controls, in terms of camera, um, in terms of uh, gameplay, and, and, and also very importantly, in terms of session length. You know, uh, you know that uh, uh, session lengths on mobile are usually much shorter um, than on PC and console. Um, so they, they try to make it like, like, okay, you can play a short session, but still do a full game. You know, you can play five minutes. It's okay. Uh, you, you have time to, to really finish a game and have fun. Yeah, that's great. Have you done any sort of growth hacking on Frag since you've kind of taken it over? <laughs> um, not really. Uh, not really. I, I, I became more traditional, uh, I think, but, uh, I've seen your post, I think, this morning on LinkedIn about growth hacking uh, and about how we can, uh, uh, you know, use uh, maybe in-game um, incentive for players to invite their friends or to yeah. to have much more social interactions and um, and it really reminded me uh, of where I came from and <laughs> that. Somehow it was kind of comfortable to think, okay, we have user acquisition budget, we have all these things now, and we we've done some things, you know, like uh, like you can send a code to invite a friend, and you would get a small gift. We have those little things. I think I really think we can go much further than this in the future. Yeah. We should collaborate on that. So oh, yeah. for folks that uh, aren't, aren't listening, the random idea I had, and I think it was like one of my shower ideas, which you can have a lot of great, great thoughts there, yeah. um, was, you know, just this idea that we've come and just become so reliant on, on paid UA and mobile. And, and I get it. You know, if you have LTV over the, you know, CPI, sure, I put a dollar in and I get a dollar fifty out or whatnot. Um, but over time, I always see those CPIs go up, and yeah. you know, our, you know, 
what are we doing to actually keep those people around? And so I, I just kind of became fascinated with this idea of like, you know, well, I, I'm, I've been playing a, a lot of League of Legends Wild Rift lately. Um, yeah. Also a game, it was much more evident when I went from bots to regular players because I was like, oh, I'm doing great. And then <laughs> smoked. Uh, it was like, you know, not quite the like the first time I played League of Legends on, you know, proper, but it was still pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've been playing this and I was like, you know, what would be very interesting what if they had like a unique skin for, you know, whatever champion I'm playing and I can only get that by inviting a friend or, you know, even putting a time limit on that. You've got a week to invite mm -hmm. a friend and get them in to get this unique skin. Otherwise it's gone forever. Um, and yeah. And, and if you tie that to like a friend's engagement or something like, you know, World of Warcraft has this refer a friend thing, which yeah. uh, I've, I started playing World of Warcraft with my wife, um, which has been a, a really fun, interesting experience. Never thought she would play with me. Like definitely not, not a WoW player, um, but I'm like rediscovering WoW. But like we've got like a, a 12 month long like journey to like unlock all the rewards. We're, we're pretty far away from that. I don't know if we'll get there, but um yeah, like like month nine, you get this like uh, ship thing that you can like fly in, and your you know friend can fly with you. But that is tied to like deep engagement. Like talk about keeping that person retained and engaged in there. Of like, oh, I I want my thing, so I'm gonna like keep you engaged. But the game is also more fun because I'm playing with my friends. Um, so just very fascinated with this idea of growth hacking and, you know, what are some ways that we could like implement that? And so I, I don't know what all customizations and stuff could be unlocked within frag and stuff, but like, if you've got something truly awesome and the only way to get that awesome thing is by like inviting a friend, it's almost like a badge of honor and, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we've been thinking about tons of things like that. I, I think your, your skin ID is very cool because it's quite easy to make. I mean, we already have tons of skins in the game. Some of them are super cool. Uh, some of them you, you can get only uh, by paying. Some of them you can get by grinding. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the skin ID would work very well and would be a quick win because it would be pretty easy to implement. Um, and then we're also thinking about having much more social um, like events uh, where where you would really get an advantage by bringing your friends in. Um, we could have maybe tournaments as well with maybe some cash prizes. Um, I mean, so there's tons of ways we could do it. Um, and the, 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 so, so we're working on it, um, but I'm, I really like those kind of very simple ideas, you know, because it, it and it's really, a good way to to make a proof of concept at first to say okay look we, we tried that it was very easy and you know it worked super well so and, and then in the future it makes us think okay let, let's go further let's invest more into these kind of features uh, that, that, that will have a great impact and and i'll also say a word about engagement uh, and long-term engagement uh, because that's really something we learn like kind of the hard way um, uh, like, like it took us so long to 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 realize that the really key metrics for a game like Fry, which is kind of a mid-core, casual mid-core game, um, is long-term retention. It's like you should 
at least look at your days 365 re re retention, yeah. which we didn't do at all for 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 a long time. Um, and I mean, I'm not blaming anyone except maybe myself about this. You know? And um, when you know, and suddenly you start digging into it, there's a little thing that makes you feel like, oh, but maybe there's something here. And you start digging, and suddenly you realize there is like tons of articles talking about that 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 are like maybe five years old and and and, and that a lot of people already know it in the industry and, and you feel like my god we, we didn't realize that and, and we are doing okay but uh um how come we understand that so late so um i think it's really about uh, uh not giving up and, and trying to always uh there's always something to discover really you you never get it 100%, you know, uh, maybe we get 20% of what's going on, you know, and so there's yeah. so much more we can do. So, so that's a good question that I'm sure everyone in the industry is listening to. Um, and, and I remember I, I saw a post from, from one of my friends one time, and this was when Clubhouse was really blowing up a few months ago. And he just goes, when do people have all this time to get on Clubhouse? Like I'm trying to, you know, do my job and like work all day and, and, and uh, you know, people are on, on clubhouse and stuff. Um, but there's, there's a lot of information that is out there about all sorts of things. Like if you want to, you know, learn anything and you're willing to watch, you know, a hundred hours of GDC talks, you could probably, you know, get the hours worth of stuff that you're, you know, looking for. But like, where do you go as a game lead who needs to stay on top of industry trends and you know understanding things like where do you learn about things to like keep you know frag alive and, and growing and, and really thriving like what what's yeah. your secret <laughs> well um uh, well i i don't know the secret if there is one <laughs> I, I don't know it but uh i tr i figured out maybe the small parts of it uh i think uh, what I try to do is that uh, I, I try to read at least a few articles every week and 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 to um, uh, and to follow a trend. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to say okay this month maybe I'm going to be more interested in the subject of long-term retention, for instance. Okay, so let's try to read at least one or two articles this week about this, and then during this month I will dedicate maybe one full day on this. Uh, you know, and take some notes. So then I I'm going to learn a lot from that. And then what I would do is that I would involve my team as much as possible because it's impossible for me to read uh, like 100 articles this month. But if I put the 10 people on my team and we each read 10 articles and then we share the info when we, we, we've read 100 articles all together and it makes them grow as well, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I, I try to do that. It's not always easy because they are all very busy as well. Uh, but um, if involving the team is, is crucial, I think, here. Um, and that, that, that's why we, we try to have a very collaborative process for creativity, for game design, etc. We, we don't have game designers in, in our team, mm. uh, but we collaborate a lot and, and uh, it can be tricky to do that at first because sometimes people disagree a lot. Uh, it's hard to align people, but if you do it the right way, it can be super powerful. 
So I imagine that a bunch of ears just perked up when you said you don't have any game designers. Um, how do you guys manage the complexity of, let's say, like your economy or some of your more system designs that you typically really rely on, on game designers for? Yeah, well, um, we are looking for an economy game designer to, to, to come and help us now because we, we understood the importance of having some people who are fully dedicated to that. Uh, but, um, well, I mean, the game lead handles uh, a big part of, of designing the game and designing the economy. Um, and, and as I said, I try to also involve my team as much as I can. So in terms of game design, um, what I would do is organize a workshop basically every three months. Um, I would, uh, and I would prepare the workshop by sending a presentation to my team and saying, okay, in this workshop, I would like to focus on this and this and this. So I give a, some kind of frame, you know, like where people don't go in every direction. We kind of align ourselves on some subjects, like not too many. And then I just say, okay, um, make some feature proposals for every um, uh, theme that, that we should uh, uh, focus on. And please make some proposal. It's not mandatory. If you don't want to, you don't have to. And you should, your proposal should be one slide, five minutes. You know, no details, you know, just a big idea. If your idea is the same as someone else, it's a good thing. You know, you're not, it doesn't mean you didn't copy or anything. It means we're aligned, you know. It, it, yeah. it means if, if we're five people have the same idea, maybe it's a good idea, you know. Um, um, and also I tell them, try to have a very open-minded approach, you know. Don't try to, um, when someone proposes an idea, don't try to explain why it's not going to work, you know. Try to, instead, try to explain try to find why it could work. Even if you don't believe in the idea, try to force yourself. Why, why would this be a good idea? Um, especially in an early stage, brainstorming, you have to be open-minded. When, when, but when you're making the future and when you're polishing the future, that's where you should be very criticizing and try to break it. But when you begin with the idea, you're brainstorming, you should be very open-minded. Everything's possible. So we do that and then we end up having like 60 slides, you know, or 70 slides with so many ideas. And, and then we, we vote, everybody votes. Uh, and, and then we decide together what we're going to make. And then my job is to come up with a roadmap for like say the next six months. Okay, we're mm -hmm. going to do this, we're going to do that. And maybe sometime we're not going to do something that someone proposed, but if we're not going to do it, I'm always able to explain why we're not going to do it. Uh, and I never put anything in the trash. I put things in the fridge uh, because ideas are biodegradable. Maybe, you're, maybe you, we can pick up that <laughs> idea in six months and, and you can change it a little bit and it's going to work. You know? So it has two benefits is that uh, we have much more ideas that, than just one game designer or one game lead, you know, we have so many creativity because we're 10 brains instead of one. Um, and the second, and, and also we moderate each other, you know, uh, we, uh, uh, and, and the other great advantage is that it aligns people uh, and it empowers them, you know, 
So you can tell your developers, okay, you're not just a developer, you're also a game designer. Uh, you, you, you're also a player. You're, you know, so, and then people are, are much happier to be part of it because they're really part of it. They're, they're not just doing what you tell them to do. Yeah, that's really great. So, you know, you've got these ideas and, and I love that. And I actually think this could be something that a lot of teams, even with, with game designers could probably use because you can never have enough ideas. Um, how do you effectively know, you know, which features to make? Because I, I think the worst thing that I've seen happen, or, well, there's a couple of cases. So the, the worst possible case is I spend two, three months making a feature and nobody cares and nobody uses it. And it just, you know, doesn't affect the metrics. And then, you know, the second worst one, and, and I talk about this a lot, you know, when we're like taking people through user-wise and stuff and designing live ops features and things, which is, you know, you release something and you see engagement go up. You're like, that's a win. Yeah. And then like two months later, it's right back down again because players are like, oh, it's just that thing again. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do you figure out what features... I should, you know, actually create, like, um, I, I actually think I talked about this earlier today, but, um, there's three pillars that I like to think about whenever I'm making a feature, which is like, um, analytics, you know, first and foremost, like what are my players doing? Um, a, a cool trick that I've found is what are they doing in my game after they've done like the mandatory things? Because sometimes, you get people that will look at the analytics and they'll be like, well, everyone must love this thing because they're doing it. But if you actually dig in a little bit, you're like, well, they're only doing that because it's the daily quest. And yeah. nobody, nobody does that after they've like got their you know, reward checkbox and stuff. So, you know, after all those like checkbox and things, what are the players actually doing in the game? Because that's probably the thing that they actually enjoy and they actually find fun in your game. Yeah. Um, those other analytics can be useful too, but, um, that's a little trick that I found. You know, the second one is community, uh, which is like you, you've just got to be listening all the time. Like, what are your players saying? What's your customer support hearing? Um, a, a little trick that I like to use is we've got these like segmented surveys so you can, you know, filter and see like, what did my paying players say versus non-payers or, you know, level a thousand players versus like my new players and just really get a, a clear picture of like, what is everyone kind of wanting and thinking about saying and stuff and then the third piece which is just your gut um you know what do you think is the right thing to do like i you know if you've got a game that is very pay to win and your gut says long term i need to get this away from pay to win like short term your analytics are going to tell you oh that's that's a really bad choice that we're going to lose you know a lot of money in the short term but you kind of trust the gut and say well long term i know that if i can get over this hump so that everyone feels comfortable spending a little bit you know, our revenue can be much, much higher and our audience can be yeah. much, much larger. Um, but that's kind of the, the three pillars. Like, do you use those as well? Do you have some different mantra? I'd love to like hear like what your take is on that things. Well, yeah, mostly, definitely, like, like we use those three pillars. Although I, I must say that we still don't know exactly what are the personas of our players and we're working on this at the moment. Um, um, and we still have a long way to go to, to, to be really great at this. Um, and, and we're doing it now. Uh, and I think the first step is to understand <laughs> that, that you need to do it and, and to start. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, we, we use those three pillars. Um, when we do the workshop, the, the, the first thing I do to at least make sure this idea is not too bad or, or is that every proposition, I mean, every, every proposal should, should has at least one reference from the top 10 grossing mobile action game. Yeah. Mm, so I send the, the, the list of the top 10 or top 100 uh, uh, grossing games on mobile that in our category. And I say, if you make it, if you take an idea, basically you should just play these games and, and you will find ideas. You, you will make connections with our yep. game and you will think, wow, why don't we do that? It's super cool and we should do it. So it's kind of a proof of concept before we go into development and, and start mm -hmm. spending some, some, uh, some uh, cost, you know, on, on this. Um, we start also to do some surveys with our players, but we're still at the beginning of this. And our community uh, management uh, team is uh, trying to listen and, and, and filter all the feedback from the community. But I try to protect my developers from, from being in direct contact with the community because when I arrived in the team, uh, it was very uh, destructive for them sometimes, you know, because when you read one bad comment on your game, you need 10 good comments to feel better after that, you know. And and usually the people who are the most vocal on the community are not the the people who enjoy, you know, and, and they, they, there's a lot of negative comments. So, um, uh, so the community management team is doing a great job filtering all this, trying to find out what's the most important thing. We even use some algorithms sometimes to analyze all the comments on the store and to see, okay, that's which word comes up the most. And we could see, okay, we had issues with disconnections, you know, because it's a multiplayer game. Um, we had issues with uh, stability of the game, uh, bugs, etc. And then we start understanding what's where are our weakness weaknesses. Um, in the end, uh, you know, it's it's. Um, and we try to look at the player journey mm -hmm. uh, for as long as possible. Um, but in the end, it's it's very hard to have a definitive answer to, to say, okay, I know exactly what my player like to do. And also because there is not only one type of player. Yeah. Um, so what, one of the thing, I can give you an example of one feature that we released that was a really a game changer. Uh, it was the, uh, the trophy road. Uh, we did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, one year and a half ago, uh, it was one of the first big features that I, I, I managed to push as a, as a game lead. Yep. Um, and um, uh, we got inspired from uh, the uh, Clash Royale trophy world. And instantly we saw our retention numbers and our average battle uh, per day jump like 20%, like, like overnight. So that was the best thing. And what we understood is that, you know, it's like in life basically, or, or when, when, when a player is in your game, he needs to set some long-term goals. And, and once he's got these long-term goals, he needs to break those down into short-term goals. And it's all about pacing after that. Yeah. So you can A-B test, okay, longer pacing, shorter pacing, what works best. Um, but once, because before that, people were just playing battles after battles. Um, and, you know, they were kind of in, in the void of, you know, just playing battles and battles. And 
once we put the trophy road, they had a vision of where they were going. Um, and it, it worked super well, so. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Um, so let's talk about, you know, FPS just at a little bit of a higher level type, um, you know, for, for folks that are listening that maybe want to make FPS games on mobile or uh, are making a different, you know, genre on mobile, like, what are some trends that you've seen in, you know, FPS over the last, let's say, six months to a year um, that are, are, are notable? Well, the, 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 the FPS game that impressed me the most, uh, but it's a bit older than one year, but uh, is um, uh, Call of Duty Mobile. Mm. Uh, I mean, I was so impressed by, by this game. Uh, and uh, obviously they have a very big team and a lot of uh, sources <laughs> to, to do it. But when it was released, it had everything, you know? Uh, it had all the different game modes, like, like, and, like, like endless trophy roads and, and uh, content, like equipment, and uh, the controls were amazing, graphics as well. There was already a huge community of players from PC, and they actually managed to make these, uh, these players move to, to mobile devices, which was, you know, it was a bet, you know? So, I mean, it was not yeah. uh, sure that it was going to go this way. Um, so I was very, very impressed by, by this game. Um, the quality, uh, the economy was also, the, the transition they made to free to play was, was, uh, was very well uh, done. So, um, um, so yeah, there is a um, uh, this game, and um, uh, and I think Garena also. Uh, I was pretty impressed by the numbers uh, and and the quality of the graphics, the characters, the, the UI, yeah. uh, uh, all the mechanism. You know, in, in the meta game, uh, really makes you want to play more and more. And uh, yeah, I, I think from my point of view, in Frag, we we still have. Uh, uh, quite some, you know, quite a long way to go to reach that kind of uh, of quality, uh, that kind of level. But but at least when I think about it, I always feel like it's at least they're showing us the way somehow. You know, you know, there's so many things we can do. So, you know, I mean, the worst case scenario is when you don't know what's going to be your next step. Like you have no idea how <laughs> am I going to make this game better. <laughs> but at least we have so so much things we can do. Yeah, I remember the first time I played Call of Duty Mobile, um, and and I was kind of expecting the like two little joysticks on, uh, yeah, which which is what most other shooters did. And then Call of Duty Mobile has like the full like half of the screen that you can go by. And like I've played some games with like the little joysticks, and I don't know like if I'm just doing it wrong, but like my thumb always like ends up. Up yeah, here like, and like then I need to click something and like it just doesn't work. But like Call of Duty Mobile, I don't know if like the sensory stuff is just like perfect, but like the controls just work. And yeah. that inherently made it such a better like mobile shooting experience. Yeah. For like, me, like days. more than anything. I was just yeah. so amazed by that and blown away. Um yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, and you can also choose different types of controls, like, like you know, you have 
for like pro players or, or more simple oh, yeah. control mm -hmm. auto aim etc you, you can move the the position of the joystick it's, it's uh yeah it's it's wonderful i mean we we never took the time to actually rework our control because it, it worked pretty well but yeah that's something i would like to do in the future you know and and uh, rework the basics of your game after mm -hmm. a few years uh, even though it's it's working pretty well like like try to rework the basics it's always dangerous because you might break something um <laughs> but you can a b test it and uh you know and when you see what what these guys are, are, have made you know you, you know it's, we, we can do um, better than, than what we have now always do better yeah i remember i had uh uh, Kieran from Firescore uh, Interactive on the podcast one time talking about hyper casual games and mm. um, one of like his first hit games that they released with Crazy Labs was uh, Cut the Soap, um, kind of like ASMR, just like a pleasant you know cutting oh, things okay. off. Yeah. Um, and you know at, at the end of every episode, I, I do ask for like a tip on you know retention, um, and he shared a tip with me that kind of blew me away a little bit because they already had like really great like day one was like 40 50 percent mm. and and in order to cut the soap you had to drag your finger down with the knife then you had to release your finger and like start again to like keep cutting it um, and their change was you no longer have to move your finger off so you can just go up and down that one little thing boosted their day one retention by like three or four um, percent yeah well, and it's just like that simple nature of like making it easier to control and engage with, like mm -hmm. just felt so much better to the players, which yeah. I, I just found, you know, kind of blew me away when he was talking about that. So um, super interesting. What are some like, have, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, how can you figure that out? You know, you have to try it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's almost impossible to just, you know, come up with the idea and make sure and be sure that it's going to work. <laughs> Oh, I know. You have to try things, you know. I love it. Yeah, that that's the great thing about our industry is we can just try so many different things. And as our games get larger populations, we can try so many more things all at once. Um, so just constantly learning. Uh, I love everything yeah. that we're able to do. Um, yeah, thinking about, you know, shooters again, you know, are there some features or things that we can learn from them? Like, Let's say I'm running a, I don't know, Royal Match. It's a, a new game that's kind of up and coming, which is doing a great game. But like, there's really not much different from that from like some of the other like Match Three games. But it's blowing up and people love it. Um, but like, what are some things that like they could learn from FPS that you might be able to bring to the Match Three? Understanding that audiences are different and things, but like, you know, is it the social idea, the competitive idea, like, are there, you know, some learnings that you could say, Hey, we should, you know, pay attention to this because this is one of the main drivers of the growth in FPS that other games should be thinking about. Yeah. I think, um, maybe what Royal match, I'm, 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 I don't know the game very well, but I think maybe one, one of the aspects they, they took from FPS was the multiplayer aspect. Uh, you know, like the PvP aspect. Is is, is that is that correct? Uh, I think they have PvP in there. It's like it's it's like it's like a match three, and then you like decorate your castle, but you don't even get to pick the decorations like you do in like Homescape. It's like they it's like predefined. Like I can't figure out why I actually find that game fun because I really don't like casual games, but like I'll still yeah. just like play it and stuff. 
Um, it, it's just a really smooth mechanic again, like smoother than most of the other ones. I think that's why I stick around and play, but um, fairly basic game. Yeah. But I guess more more than the game itself, I'm just trying to understand like from FPS, like what are the the main like psychological drivers of like players coming back and, and wanting to play FPS? Because yeah. like you do have day 365 retention. So like, why are players sticking around for so long? Like, what yeah. is it about frag or FPS that are keeping them around? Well, the first, I mean, we've in, increased our retention, our long-term retention, uh, little by little, uh, and we're still trying to increase it. Where, and we really focused on that for a while. And the idea was to um, give the game some depth. You know, uh, it, it's, it was not about giving complexity; it was about giving depth. Mm. Um, so. The game itself remains pretty much the same, but but you give players a sense of progression and a sense that they will unlock something new. Even after one year of playing the game every day, they might attain something new that they couldn't attain mm. before, which gives them another goal. Uh, like Because, and I, I'm not sure we quite have that yet, like after one year that you can really unlock something new, but that's really what we're aiming for. Um, and, and by doing that is that we unfold um, the, the kind of complexity of the game or the depth of the game progressively over time. You shouldn't, you know, give away everything right away, like all the game modes, all the events, uh, the fact that you can be in a club and do some duels and, and some club events, etc. It should It should happen step by step. Uh, that that's the best way we we, we found to increase our long term retention, um, uh, and and of course we we and, and we're always trying to find new ways of doing that uh, and to think about. Um, but I mean, it's working. If you if you look at the curve of of our people who are engaged in the game for longer and longer times, it's been increasing since we started focusing on this specifically. So, um, yeah. Um, because as soon as a player just keeps repeating the same loop over and over, and there is no other progression system, that's that's where you that's where you're going to lose your players, basically. Yeah. Do you guys incorporate uh, Ethan Levy's Tower of One concept at all? I don't. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. No, uh, I, I, I can say I'll, I'll send you an article, and it's yeah? a presentation he did at GDC that everyone should, should definitely go through it. And it, it's kind of like, okay, well, I do this so that I can do this other thing. Yes. So that I can do this other thing. So that I, and it like leads you through, you know, this ultimate tower of like, what is the player ultimately trying to do um, in the game? And uh, I think it can really lead to some compelling design decisions. And I think uh, a, a learning that uh, he's commented on actually is that, you know, thinking today, like what are my meta most engaged players going to be doing three years, five years, yeah. 10 years from now in my game that is actually going to be compelling enough for them to keep around. And it allows you to sometimes make some decisions on like, oh, we need to have this sort of a change or this thing. And you don't necessarily have to have all those things, but you can at least have like rough roadmaps of like, 
hey, we're going to add this type of mechanic that is going to just radically change it. And mm. you can add a lot more depth to the game because I, I think you're right. Like once you get to that stage where like it's just repetitive, boring, that's where players turn out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you can have also recurring events like, like uh, especially with a uh, season pass or things like that. Okay, we're going to release a new character every every month but those new characters are going to be in higher and higher arenas. So if you want to access them, you need to be on the right level, but they will be available for free only during this season. And next season will be a new one. So, uh, and, and there is a special event every, at every season to unlock this character. So you want to be here. Yeah, I mean, you want to be uh, advanced enough in the game to be able to access the event, but you also have to be here every month to, to, to unlock the event. Um, and then also we should make sure that the event itself kind of evolves over time. It's not always exactly the same event. We can iterate, make it more fun, do bring a little twist here and there. Uh, we, 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 we don't necessarily do it all the time, but it's good that, that you know, um, because people get used to things uh, so fast, uh, especially if they are very engaged. You know, <laughs> they play your game two hours a day. Yeah. Um, it can get repetitive pretty fast. So some people spend seven hours in the game, um, which which is great. But you know, so yeah. And I was comparing uh, this idea of the tower uh, in my presentation to the company to explain that concept of of uh, um, diversity of of activities and, and progression. I was using the uh, hamburger that was having more and more uh, slices of meat <laughs> into it and was growing and growing. So it's kind of the same idea but using food. I like it. I like it. Well, Adrian, I feel like we could keep going for uh, a long time. This is so fantastic. I feel like I've learned a ton and, and you've given me some very interesting things to think about. I think you guys are taking like some super interesting approaches and you know, given the successes that you have and had and continue to have, like, I wish you guys the best of luck. And I hope that folks that are listening today, you know, take this back and really give it some go, especially that idea of like encouraging everyone on the team to just have those ideas and be a game designer. Because I think one of the most undervalued assets that we have are the people on our teams. And I think the more you can empower them to have cool ideas and stuff like that, like I, I tend to have not that many good ideas, but you know, when we give everyone else on the team to have ideas and, yeah. and actual, on, you know, you can do so many amazing things. But uh, before we do go, I do have one last question for you, of course, because this is the Mastering Retention Podcast. So what's one tip or trick you've learned over the years to uh, help boost retention? Could be short-term, long-term, ultimately up to you. Um. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I already said so many things about retention. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it, it's what I said before. Basically, it's 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 uh, it's like what you said about the tower, and and you also gave me so many ideas, and it was really great exchanging with you because um, and, and insights. So it's really about giving people uh, goals and visibility. Uh, and it's always, it's about the journey. So ask yourself uh, as a player, uh, why do you keep playing a game? It's because you want to achieve something. You're, you're not playing just for playing. You know, you, you, you want to get somewhere. And, and, and what's funny, I mean, I don't want to get too 
philosophical on this, but, but it's the same thing in life. You know, it's the same thing in everything. You, you, it, it's the way human people walk. You know, I mean, uh, you know, is we always need to have a goal. So, um, and and if you want people to set goals in your game, um, you need to show them the goals because a lot of a lot of times maybe the goal is here. You know, the reward is here, but people don't know about it. You know, or you 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 didn't. Uh, show it to the players so it's also about giving the uh, enough amount of information to drive people towards the those goals um i think for me it's the most most important thing um and and this goal can be anything it really depends on the game you know in, in frag maybe it's going to be uh, being competitive and winning matches being skilled uh and and you know um uh and, and maybe being a little bit social in your club, et cetera. But, but in a match, it might be a completely different thing. You know, it might be just you, you want to relax or it's a challenge, a personal challenge of solving a puzzle. Yeah. Um, so, but goals is the key, I think, to retention. That's fantastic. I love that. So, so great having you on, Hadrian. Thank you so much. Uh, if people do have any questions or if anyone is an economy designer, you know, is there a good way that, uh, they should reach out to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can reach to to us uh, on on LinkedIn. I think is the best way. Uh, if you're if you're a, a talented economy designer that you're 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 interested by OBB, you like our games, uh, please contact us on uh, OBB at LinkedIn. Follow us, and uh, you can um, contact me uh, as well on LinkedIn, uh, Adrian Carpentier, um, and uh, we would love to to. Uh, give you an interview and and to meet you because we're we're really looking for talented people in, in economy design to help us grow and and go further. Well, cool. well, thank you so much. Have a great one. Thank you very much. It was a really great time. Uh, th thank you again. All right. <laughs> Bye -bye.